Welcome to the RSP cast. Mark Schofield joining me once again. Mark, it's always a pleasure. We get a chance to do a little Game of Thrones action finally to to cover the first rounds of the tourney. Yeah, very excited about this. Um, we've got our, our 18 teams, so to speak, uh, stacked in the bracket. We've got them ranked. We've got this all set up, ready to go. I spent way too much time on my uh, Wednesday night um, instead of watching, you know, Joe Burrow and Jalen Hurts to get ready for the divisional round, uh, kind of came out of my mind how these would work. Um, and I, we're going to talk about it. I've got a couple of upsets picked here in the first round, not at a lot, but a couple. So I think it will be interesting, but excited to dive in. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we'll probably show this on video so, um, so that people can see the bracket that we have here, but the the matchups that we're gonna wa we're gonna break down to begin are the play-in that includes the Waif, the 17th seed versus Syria Forel, the 18th seed, um, and then they have the right to play to to match up with Sir Arthur Dane. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> good luck with that. Yeah. So then we've got but then we've got Brianna Tarth versus Jamie Sir Jamie Lannister, Oberyn Martell and John Stark, Cal Drogo and Lord Eddard Stark. And then the plan is Tormund and Grey Worm for the opportunity to face Sir Selmy Barristan. And then Bronn versus the Hound. Arya Stark and Dario. The Mountain and Sir Jorah Morma of Mormont. So those are our matchups we will be discussing today. Let's start with let's start with Serial Forel, the 18th seed versus the Waif, the 17th seed. Yeah, this one's tough because you know that Surio is extremely technically sound, first sort of Bravos. Um, and we've talked about the Waif, you know, that Terminator-like scene of hers where she's, like, chasing down Arya. Um, I went with Surio here. I just think, you know, the Waif, yes, she might have some stamina and she might have that, like, Terminator nature to her. But I just, I can't imagine that scene where we just sort of hear him start fighting that Sirio is not going to be able to handle this one-on-one -on -one situation. Because something tells me in that scene in the first season where we just hear him start fighting as everything's going all crazy and bonkers in King's Landing, that he was going to get taken down by just like one night. I, I think Sirio's got enough on this. I'm more worried about him in the next round, but I think he handles this round okay. I agree, because one thing that we also notice is that it, when we watch the training of Arya, if, we, if you notice... The wave, all the training they have is with those sticks. You don't ever see them fighting with a bladed weapon until the end when Arya, who's wounded with a bladed weapon, basically makes a mask out of out of the wave's face. So uh, I'm thinking that whatever Surio Forel taught her were principles that she was able to build on, and and he knew, and he couldn't have taught her everything he knew. So in that short period of time, as a little kid, he probably just taught her enough for her to build on. So I would imagine that Pharrell, yeah, he's going to be too technically sound. And I also think the Waif isn't, as much as she tries to act like she's emotionless, it was very clear that she, she fought on emotion in a way where that her emotions can get the better of her. Um, yeah. Even if she was kind of like stoic about it, she was clearly 
um, rooted in emotion in terms of how she dealt with Arya. And I think that I think Serio Pharrell can get the better best of her too. So I think I'm gonna we're gonna roll with that and we'll put Pharrell right in there. And he's our and he'll we'll have him against Dane. Do we just wanna go ahead and and profile this one and just move on? I think this will be pretty yeah. quick. Yeah. Like Sir Arthur Dane rules on. I mean Yeah. I don't think there's I don't think there's any question there is that, you know, Pharrell might be a fun match in on one level, but I think that I, I think it would be a fantastic match to fall to see. Yeah. I mean, because you might have two of the most technically sound warriors in all of Westeros squaring off. Yeah. Um, but I think ultimately, look, for everything that we've talked about, you know, Dane's going to win that one. And, you know, I, I don't think it'll be any surprise if eventually Dane advances pretty deep into this tournament. But I think it'll be a fascinating study to watch. I mean, these two technically sound fighters go at it. Yeah, I think so too. And I think that. I think ultimately that's where the matchup would go where athletic ability um you know he he was a a much bigger stronger man um than Pharrell you know so and I think that maybe Sergio Pharrell had you could say that there, he could upset a number of people on this bracket with his quickness and technical skill but I think Dane Dane has the quickness and the strength to and the and the technical skill that is just it, he, he's one of the few that I think you you couldn't really say there's going to be a real upset there. Yeah, I mean, he's serial got a really tough draw here. Let's put it that way. Yeah, that's for sure. So all right, so we get the battle of the lovers here: Brienne Tarth and Sir Jamie Lannister. Where do where where do we go from here? I mean, this is one we kind of got to see, right? Yeah. I mean, we got to see this a little bit. I mean, I'm picking Brienne here. I know that Jamie is obviously, look, youngest member of the Kinsgar, youngest knight, like just a tremendously talented fighter. But we saw Brienne throughout the run of this series give some of the best in this bracket everything they had and more. I mean, she basically beat the hound. I mean, when she squared off with Jamie, she handled herself extremely well. I know there's like a thought in the back of my mind that this matchup might be tough for her on some level, both on an emotional and a technical standpoint. But when we did the first show, we sort of talked about like, you know, our three best in a bunch of different categories. Her name kept coming up. Yeah. I mean, she's well-rounded. Like she's got will, she's got stamina, she's got strength. I think Brienne wins this one, but it wasn't an easy call. Yeah, I would say I would agree. And really, if we were going to say we're doing a tournament with these with these um, individuals, it would probably be, you know, the, you know, even if Jamie had his hand. So if Jamie had his hand, then it wouldn't be a difficult thing for Brianna Tarth because none of what happened actually happened. Um, right. So it wouldn't be difficult for either of them on that level. And also, you know, we could make the argument that Jamie, Jamie lost that that matchup the first time. But after all, he had been a prisoner, kept up in a cage, probably wasn't very well fed, had been yeah, beaten wasn't up. Close to weight. Yeah, you know, wasn't really wasn't ready for a tourney on that level when she got the better of him. So there is there is that to be said. That maybe Sir Jamie, at his best, 
could could unseat Bran of Tarth. So I would this is one that I would that I would play out both ways. I think it's a 50-50 matchup. Um it, it's that close. And yeah. I think that so I'm going to go I'm agreeing with you. I'm going to go with Bran, but I think I want to put Jamie underneath it and like in parentheses and see what it would be if we like were to match them up as like the him as the alternate winner. You know what I mean? Oh god. Like, that makes sense to yeah, me. Yeah. So like we put Brienne right here and then we uh and then and then we put in parentheses down below it so that we have our we we have like our alternate reality type of version of that this works. to see if it would like change that. anything. Okay. I like that. Okay. So Oberyn and John, like for me, this is interesting because you have, you have two su supremely technically skilled fighters, but one who really, when you think about, you know, Oberyn uses a number of, of like on, you know, battle weapons that are up close. Whereas John's really great with the sword. Yeah. You know, and, and John, from what we've seen, John has always been the quicker, more technically skilled one of all the people that he's battled. But he's always battled bigger men who yeah. are more powerful. Um, and and what we've seen is he's he's had the ability to take punishment, like when he's battled the Thin, um, yeah. or when he's battled a White Walker. Um, but he's also. He's also had a little bit of help with both of those. Like when he battled the Then, didn't the Then get shot by? Um, no, the Then didn't get shot by anybody. He killed the Then. Yeah. Um, so, but I, I don't know. I, to me, I think Oberyn's the clear favorite on this one. Yeah, I actually went with John. Wow! Um, Look at that. Partly because I wanted to set something up crazy in the next round. Okay, but. <laughs> I also think this is a matchup of which one's going to make the dumb mistake. You know, because with Oberyn, when he fought the mountain, right? Yeah. Uh, he, he let sort of the emotions get the better of him. Didn't finish the job when he had a chance. And we've seen John get his emotions get let his emotions get the better of him. Battle of the Bastards, where he just, you know, charged across the field and ended up becoming a meme on, on Twitter and elsewhere. Um, so I feel like one of these two is going to make the big mistake. Something tells me it might be Oberyn yet again. You know, he's going to be flashy. He's going to be showy. John's going to sort of ride him out a little bit. Oberyn might have the upper hand at the start. And then he'll do something silly. He'll take his eyes off the ball for a second and end up losing that way. So that's my rationale for picking John. Again, with the undercurrent that I'm trying to set something up crazy for the next round. I could see that. And like... Now, while I don't necessarily agree with, I think Oberyn, we got to remember too. I mean, this was the ultimate vengeance moment, right? Of the of the thing. Yeah, that that, would that layer won't be in it. Yeah, right. layer in it. But at the same time, he is cocky, and yeah. and I would and the one thing about that is John's always underestimated, um, and he seems to always come through when he's underestimated. And Oberyn is cocky, and there's going to be a moment where Oberyn's probably going to be cocky with John because he's a showman, and I think that's part of it is that he likes being a showman. So you know what? 
let's go let's roll with John Stark I'm good with that I'm you know I think if there's gonna be an upset that's a good one to to roll with though I you know I think some people are gonna hate it yeah um, and I, I'm kind of tempted to put Oberyn as an alternate just to see how that goes. Yeah, put just, him as an alternate you know, because, yeah. Just to see how that would play out otherwise because I think he could go deep and if he were to, uh, if he could keep his um, showmanship under control. Right, so, right. You know, but we're good with that. All right, so Cal Drogo and Ned Stark. So I, I'm thinking you're thinking Ned Stark. If you're, yeah, if you've said that's exactly what why, I set up. Why? I am trying to set up Ned versus John because you are like sadistic. So why? Yeah, yeah. because I I would want, and of course there's you know the underlying layer of would, would John, you know, have the understanding of his true past and everything. How would he feel about that in that moment? How would he feel? What is it? What his feelings? Would the judgment? Would his emotions in that moment be clouded, or would he have a deeper appreciation of, you know, everything that Ned had really done for him? How would Ned feel in that moment? Like, I, I think there's just it's a fascinating thing to think about how those two would feel going up against each other with the full knowledge of everything that had happened in their past and everything that like everything that Ned had done, everything that like Ned had done for John and. and I just, well, I'm fascinated by that potential match. I'm, I'm, I and I can understand that. And I would think to have attorney that would require friend versus friend, you know, family member versus family member, that there would have to be something so great at stake that when it got to a point where one, where this was, you know, there was a moment where one was going to have to kill the other, um, you know, that I think that that Ned would probably be the one to recognize this is that moment and John go, do what you have to do. And I could see right. where he, like there's the, even that moment where Ned would probably say, say, do what I taught you, you know, yeah, you know, and John would yeah. fearfully probably do it, you know? I mean, if, if this is the like tournament for the iron throne, for example, like the winner gets to sit on the iron throne, like, Oh, and that might even sway their opinions because both of these two might not want that. No, they wouldn't. They, yeah, I, honestly, that would be one of those where they'd probably they'd probably die fighting the the their captors or whoever was enforcing the tournament to get out of there, or, Th then take the field of battle against each other for the Iron Throne, which is something that neither of them ever really wanted. Yeah, so it would have to be something like this. Would have to be a situation where like they were all captors. And like in order for the for there to be a a best chance for something larger, they they know that they have to face each other, and that one of them finally is like, okay, you have the best chance to help us all, so I'm gonna I kill me, you know, it kind yeah. of in the same way where John faced the ranger, um, y you know, when he when he first went up north and ventured north and he had to face the the ranger and the ranger's like you know you're gonna have to kill me so that you can get in good with the wildlings it's gonna have to right. be it would have to be that kind of situation yeah. so i mean do you, sell me on call drogo then because i mean i think between ned and call drogo i think call drogo wins 
I, I was just sort of trying to set up that John versus Ned thing. Yeah, I, I get the sense that you think Drogo is the winner here. Yeah, I can't. I I can't do it. Like as good as as good as as Ned is, and I think Ned is underrated as a obviously from what we saw with how he was able to handle Jamie. Um, I don't think. I think Jamie on his best day um, still has real trouble with Cal Drogo and probably would not would not win. I, I don't think he'd win, you know, if you fa- if they were able to face each other 10 times, maybe he wins three times. Yeah, I, I would think Cal Drogo is just too strong, too quick, too agile. Um, and he is, and I think that Ned would, and I think Jamie's actually kind of scared of the Dothraki. Like him, I mean, he, Ned, yeah, he, yeah. But I'm saying Jamie in itself, and I think Jamie and Ned would be a close matchup. And right. I and I think that if when you have a any when you have someone like Jamie who's close with Ned in terms of skill level, or at least at some level, you could say they're close in skill. Um, Ned's kind of the what's that school in the in the NCAA tournament that has always been good up in the Northwest? I'm trying to think. Gonzaga. Gonzaga. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think Eddard Stark is kind of like the Gonzaga of this of this tournament. You, yeah, you they know? win their conference. They win the first round. They, but yeah, they're probably going to get bounced at some point. Yeah, but like they're they're good enough to scare everyone, but pe- teams may not know it. Until they, you know, they're the team that that can go deep like that. Um, but I just think Cal Drogo, you know, in this setting, I, I don't think I think he would dispatch of of Edard fairly quickly. To be honest, that works. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So we're gonna squash Mark's dreams of a of a of a psychosomatic psycho psychological nightmare yeah yeah we can get rid of that yeah yeah i think that one's i i get it but i think uh, yeah we don't need that one <laughs> all right all right so how about Tormund versus gray worm that- this one was tough to think about yeah because you know and, and i come back to the first episode and all the stuff that i read and the stuff that i talked about about you know, Grey Worm and, you know, they're such hardened warriors. And to be the leader of that group, like you have to be something special. So I think Grey Worm wins here. I'm still stunned that he's only a 15 for us, you know, because, but I think it's just an attribute of the fact that there are so many other great warriors here that he's sort of slid down the rankings as a result. But I think Grey Worm wins here. Yeah, I I agree. I think Tormund's tough, but he's a he's basically a he's a tough jobber in this tournament, you know. Yeah. So he's the he's the guy that used to that maybe was never going to be a main eventer, you know. But he's yeah. But he's a fun jobber to face, and and I think Grey Worm wins this pretty easily. To, yeah. You know, and also because of the the weapon that Grey Worm uses. He's so good. He's going to be good at keeping Tormund off him. And Tormund's right, the guy yeah. that if you get... He's going to be in the body, right? Yeah. Like... Yeah. Tormund's got to... If Tormund... If you let Tormund get close to you, he might, you know, 
he's going to do everything possible to, to win and he'll let his strength be an issue as well as his ferocity as a warrior to bite, scratch, claw, eye gouge, whatever it is that he needed to do to win. And that's where Grey Worm would be in trouble. So if, if for instance, we we were talking about if this turn, tourney was made to be complicated by like get like this is where I would where you could be devious and we're not doing this but I just think it's worth exploring it to, to just to say is that say for instance the tourney maker said with the the low seeds versus the high seeds we're going to we're going to put them in a situation that might even the the battle in some way it would be if Grey Worm and, and Tormund were were battling in a an environment that forced up close fighting like yeah. something where something where maybe they were in a small in a small enclosure and that would allow Tormund to cut off the the space and that Grey Worm's range of being able to use his spear and use his weapon was limited. He's banging into the wall everywhere. And right. Could, you know, then maybe Tormund would be even here. But in a wide open arena, yeah, I think Tormund is is toast at this point. Yeah. So, so Grey Worm easily gets that. But does that mean that are we necessarily saying, sort of, you know, how many times out of 10 do you think Selmy Barristan beats Grey Worm? I want to say that this is closer than a typical 215. I agree. I feel like Grey Worm has the ability, you know, has the courage. You know, I, I talked about in the first episode how the Unsullied, you know, regularly consume an elixir called the Wine of Courage to deaden their sensitivity to pain. They feel less pain every single year. Um, they, they, what is it here? They're trained in so many different ways of fighting. They have discipline. They fight in the fashion of the old empire. Yes, um, they're utterly, absolutely obedient, utterly loyal, utterly without fear. I feel like he would give Selmy everything he had. Yeah. But then I come back to the ending for the two of them in the hallway, right? Yeah. Where you're watching that, Selmy ends up sacrificing himself. But you you get the feeling that even at that point in his life, at that point in his career, Selby could have handled that fine. Like, he could have walked out of there if he wanted to. He just felt like he had to sort of sacrifice himself to make sure that everybody else got out okay. I feel like Selby's the pick here, but this one's closer than I think we would have thought. Yeah, I think Grey Worm's like, you know, if we're going to... Let's let's compare these guys to quarterbacks. I think Sir Selby Barristan is like, you, you know, when we see him, He's like, he's like Vikings, Brady? Brett Favre or Brady right now. Okay. Yeah. He's like, that's where he is. Whereas Grey Worm to me is maybe he's, you know. Is Grey Worm like Justin Herbert? Yeah. I was going to say like Justin Herbert or Jalen Hurts or someone who's like near the top of their game right now. But, you know, and then, and, and, and we look at them and I think Justin Herbert's a good one, you know? So, I would even, you know, and, and so when we look at it from that, or a Joe Burrow or somebody yeah. like that, so sure, I'm I'm good with that, but I, I still think at the end of the day, um, if we're, if we're having, if we're saying they were, if we're saying this is where they are right now, then yeah, 
Grey Worm may win that matchup four, maybe five out of out of ten times. Yeah, and I think and, that's a fair. And that's a that's quite a um, that's quite a thing to say. So if that happens, if we're gonna say if we agree that it's maybe he wins four or five times out of ten, let's put Barristan here, but put Grey Worm as the upset alternate. Okay, I like that. Yeah. Because I like the idea of like playing this out a second, second way when we have our right, chance. and then we're alternate. So we have our upsets, and we can kind of account for that. So all right, this is fascinating because now we get to Braun and the Hound, and I know th- I want you. I want you to tell me why the why Braun wins this. Okay, well, you know it's funny because I wasn't going to go that route. But, really? Uh, yeah. Because um, I was, because I was just like, yeah, the Hound, you know, he's a 10, but you've really sold me over the past couple of weeks on Braun. Yeah, I would say this. Um, this is one of those that I would do the alternate two with it. But but I think with Braun, I think Braun wins because in this particular format, Braun can, will know to stay out of, just like Tormund versus Grey Worm. He'll, yeah. he'll stay out of the the hound's wheelhouse which is basically being infighting he's not going to yeah. infight with them and and i think braun is tricky enough to like make a move as an infighter but i don't think he's so tricky that the hound won't catch it happening and and so that's where braun kind of has the advantage over a lot of these guys is that he'll do something tricky and and you know, and some people might say even cheap, but like that's kind of what you do, and he'll trick him that way. Whereas I think the hound's seen enough of that stuff to be like, I'm not going with that mess, and you're gonna pay. Like I'm gonna catch you doing one thing, trying to get inside. I'm gonna pin your arm basically to my side, and and then I'm gonna basically rip your face off. Um, and I think that that's where the hound wins five maybe six times out of ten in this particular matchup whereas if braun is but braun is also smart enough that if he he could make the hound pissed off from afar the hound loses his patience and we've seen the hound do stupid shit like lose his patience with the the white walkers out you know way up there and throwing the rocks just because he got bored and he and he's uh and he doesn't have the, the, the discipline or patience to pay that off. And I think that that's where Braun wins, is that he frustrates the Hound from afar, then the Hound makes a mistake, and then Braun comes in for the kill. So I'm good with Braun winning, but I think the Hound also is another alternate that we do here. Is that I, I feel, yeah, I, I like that. That makes sense. I feel like this is a weird version of the Rumble in the Jungle. I just have this version, this vision of the Hound tired himself out, chasing Braun all over the arena, getting tuckered out. Braun, like, every once in a while, just jabbing him with a sword or, you know, slicing at his ankles or something. And Braun eventually, I mean, not Braun, the Hound just eventually sort of punching himself out, fighting himself out. I feel like that's how this would play. Yeah, I think that that's very possible. And that's the... And and but there's another thing that we do forget about the hound, and 
he's he he does lead with his toughness but i do think there is an underrated level of intelligence as a yeah. fighter with him no. he, he and and i think that that's the you know we've seen the better people get the better of him because like the hound did get cocky with Brienne, and yeah. he was like i'm a man you're a woman I'm going to out-tough you. I'm going to psych you out by doing something that I bet you would never do. You, you know, and I, you know, I'm going to grab your sword, cut my hands up, and then I'm going to just roughhouse you. And we're going to go into a gutter war. And he wasn't prepared for her to do the same thing. Um, yeah. But he's also, and he does have a cocky side to him. I think that's more and more we do see that. Like when he's in the inn and he's like, you know, now part of that was baiting those guys, and that was a psychological thing too. But I think Braun doesn't fall for that. So yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I I don't even think. Do we want to do an alternate with that, or do or, or do you think this is kind of like maybe this is more of like seven times out of ten Braun wins this? I think that's right. Yeah, I think so too. So yeah, we won't even do an alternate with the Hound. You know, even though it was a tough draw for the Hound. I mean, yeah, Bronze is survivor. He's going to find a way to win at least this one. I'm worried about Bron in the next round, but he'll find a way to win this one. Yeah, because I think if I think if if we saw the Hound face Serio Farrell, face either Jamie or Brienne, um, even Oberon or John, yeah. I feel like if the if the Hound was in the top half of this bracket. He'd probably get to at least the semifinal. Yeah, yeah. So he's just—he—it's he's just that, a tough matchup for him. Yeah, it is. Okay, so Arya and Dario. The, this is the one. Like, if you're scheduling this out, this is the primetime game one of these nights. Like, yeah. this is going to be epic. Um, I know Arya obviously has a ton of fans. And, you know, her story was one of the foundational storylines of this entire saga. She got a bad draw here because <laughs> Dario has been fighting in the pits. He has been fighting in, in tournaments and, and things like this since he was 12. Yeah. I mean, he was trained as a pit fighter since the age of 12. During his years as a pit fighter, he learned to fight with several different fighting styles, like a Dorothy Screamer, an Avroshi Priest, a Westerosi Knight. Like, he was built to win this thing. Like, he was put in a lab, Dario was, to win this tournament. Now, will he? I don't think so. Does he at least win this one? I do. I, I, I think, like, one-on-one -on -one fighting is not Arya's best skill set. Like, she can manage it against some opponents, like the Wave, but she's built to, like, stealthily win from the shadows. She's a guerrilla fighter. Yeah, and that's exactly. You're right because when you watch, Here's, if if the tournament if the tournament was set up where in a maze. these 18 people were just like launched into a maze, who wins? Or like put into a forest or something? It's like whoever's the last person standing wins. Arya might win the entire thing. Yeah, if it's like dropped into arena one versus one, that's no. not her environment. No, I would agree completely because even though she now she now. Here's let's make because the argument you're making is if you watch her with the wave, how does she beat the wave? She pulls the sword out, turns out the light, and 
and now it's a fight in the dark. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's definitely. Let me let the dog go out of my room here. All right. So that lets the um. That's one. When she beats the the um the night king, it's from jumping out of a tree, you know, yeah. and then shocking him with with the the move that she put on Brienne. Um, you know, so a lot of her battles were that way. Now the we'll say when she fought Brienne, you could argue that was a draw. Um. And yeah. that's the one where you go, all right, would Brienne beat Dario? And then that's, you know, that's one way that I look at this too is how often would Brienne beat Dario? And and that's another one where I don't know. That could be pretty that could be more even than the seeding actually sets or Dar you give Dario the slight advantage here. Um Yeah, I just you know, in prepping for this over the past couple of weeks, like I've just become such a believer in Dario. Like I think when we did our seedings, I had him as like a three or a four. Yeah. Like I just, I just feel like this entire exercise was built for him. Like, and it wouldn't surprise me if we get down to the end and he's in like the final four, at least in my bracket, and I'm making a case like he's going to beat Selmy one on one. Like I just, I just think. You know, he was put in a lab, built in a lab to win a tournament like this. Again, if it was in a maze or if it was, you know, like the spoon game you play the first week of college where it's like, you know, you're assassins and you're, you know, trying to tap people with spoons and you don't know who's coming from where. Dario was probably knocked out in the first round. So here's but, another here's another good argument in your favor for this because you've won me over is, is, is this. Dario faces... Who are they? The sons of the um, the second sons. The second sons. So if we re if we recall, we we learn about Dario in the TV show, basically of him killing the three other second sons. Yeah. In a fight and taking their heads after a disagreement. Would you? When I think of this, and I go, if Arya Stark were put in a in a room and had to take on the three second sons at once, would she walk out of that tent? And I think the answer would be no. No, I don't think, I don't she think would, so. Not without, not without sneaking up on them. Not if them drawn their swords on her. I don't think, I don't think she wins more than maybe one out of 10 times. And it would have to be, or two, because it would have to be due to some fluke or mistake or something crazy. Whereas with Dario, I think he probably won that. He would have won that battle, you know, six to seven out of ten times. Yeah, you, you know. So yeah, I'm. I, I don't even. I don't think we even need an alternate here. And that's. It looks like an upset, but I don't think it really is. I yeah, think you're right. I, I think it's one of those where, like, you know, the six is like a major conference, you know, team that, you know, finished third or fourth in the in, conference. An SEC basketball team. Yeah, yeah. And the 11 is like the Princeton or, you know, one of these smaller mid-majors that like they want like 30 and two and they're just like a well-rounded team that's like built yeah. to break you down a couple of different ways. Yeah, absolutely. I think that makes total sense, you know. Or like Dario's Dario's Memphis with Penny Hardaway at his prime. Right, right. You know? Yeah, where it's like they're going to run some big teams out of the tournament in a hurry. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, the mountain versus Thanks for coming, Jura. It was fun. Hope you enjoyed the, the uh, swag bag and all the fun stuff you got for being a member of the tournament. 
Um, yeah, thanks for playing. I think there's no way, like, you know, to use the sort of analogy we've talked about a couple of times, you know, maybe this is like the 1980 U.S. hockey team, right? We we just showed our son um, Miracle a couple of weeks, a couple of nights ago, like maybe last weekend because he had never seen it before. And we had gone to a hockey game over the holidays and he was kind of getting into hockey. And, you know, there's the Herb Brooks, you know, Kurt Russell speech, you know, we play them 10 times, they might win nine. Like, but not tonight, not this night. I don't even think they have that. There's no Michael Ruzioni in Jorah's back pocket. There, there's no Jim Craig in Jorah's back pocket. Like, yeah, the best this, thing he's got in his back pocket might be sand, you know? Yeah. Or yeah. maybe some poison. This is a pocket sand fight for Jorah. Yeah. Yeah. And true. I don't think he's pulling that off either. No, I don't think so either. I just think that I don't think he can get close enough to the mountain no. to do any damage. Um, no. You know, this is. This is less probable than his than his um, niece beating a a, a zombie troll. You, you right. know, I mean, I would say she had better chance of winning that same matchup and and dying in the process. You know, probably four out of ten times, and that's probably twice as many opportunities than Jora has. I think Jora, just for the sake that respect in his game, maybe he wins two out of ten times. And I think I'm being very generous by saying that. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, we'll put the mountain right here. <laughs> All right. So this is how we've got it set up for next time. We have the mountain and Dario. That's by the it. way, yeah, that is the match of the quarterfinals. Yeah. I, I, that is it. And I am I have already written the argument as to who I'm picking in that one. Yeah. So I think we know we're going to yeah. expect that, <laughs> yeah. up, that upset right there. We're gonna see. We're gonna see the argument for that. I've got to have to. I'm gonna to have to figure that one out. And see if I can agree with it. We got the brown. We got Braun versus Sir Sir Selmy Barriston, and then we have the alternate of him facing Grey Worm just to see how that would play out. And what's fascinating is I wouldn't be surprised if either one. I just I'm not gonna won't go too far in, but I wouldn't be surprised if either one of the the ones that passed out of the the Barristan Grey Worm beat Braun. I think yeah. both of them are set up to to be able yeah. to handle Braun. Um, I mean, Braun was a tough, you know, it was a tough battle for him to get out of the first round. Like, yeah, we've talked a lot about Braun, how much we like him, but yeah, he's got a tough road ahead of him. Yeah, I think this is a tough matchup for him. Like, yep. if if you put Braun, I think if you no, you can no. I won't say if you put Braun in the other bracket. If you put yeah Braun maybe against John Stark, yeah, maybe against Cal Drogo, um, because he's crafty and I think he's a little craftier than Cal Drogo. I don't want to say Drogo's a dumb brute, but he does lead with his physicality to the extent that he could get overconfident, and I think that that's where Cal Drogo's um. Achilles heel is and where you could have made the case for Eddard Stark, but I don't think Eddard Stark at this stage of his um, powers necessarily would have, I don't know. Maybe Eddard Stark's better now at the stage of his powers. I'm starting to think, I'm starting to understand why you have a Stark versus Stark draw here with yeah. this. But I still think Drogo is. I yeah, I mean yeah. Drogo is probably better. Yeah, I mean, it's probably the better call. But the Stark versus Stark then just really intrigued me. Yeah, so that's going to be fascinating seeing John. Can John draw out the 
the the part in Drogo where Drogo gets overconfident and yeah. thinks he's like basically busting up John, and then John John you know is able to come in from an angle and just take him out with one fell swoop. That's gonna be the kind of thought there, and then you know Brienne and Arthur Dane. I mean, on one hand, I think that Brienne will can could make this a a better fight than we expect. I just don't know if it means it's a winning fight. That's a no. tough one to say. That's yeah. Yeah. I and, mean, she 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 might be able to take him like if you think about like a fifteen round boxing match. Yeah. She might take him the distance. You know, might be like Rocky one, right? Yeah. Nobody's ever taken Apollo the distance. You know, nobody's ever taken Arthur Dana this. She might do that, but I don't think she's winning. Yeah, I think she'd have to, she'd have to disable him on a freak situation early, yeah. and then outlast him for that to happen. Now, but what's interesting is I would the alternate say, though the alternate. I think while Jamie, part of me thinks Jamie would piss his pants having to face Arthur Dane on one level. Jamie's also capable of doing kind of the cheap. I don't want to say cheap. Doing the he he. He's the one that I would say could DeAndre Hopkins like, you know, Sir Arthur Dane's Jalen Ramsey kind of yeah. thing where he could do the the thing that you would call cheating, but do it, raise it to an art form where he figures out a way to get the better of Dane. That's why I think like a bronze Sir Arthur Dane matchup would have been fascinating to think about. Yes, yes. Because I, I think Broad will be able to pull that off. I think JB could try that, but might not be able to pull it off. Yeah. Because deep down, he's like too much of a man of honor. Like, yes. I don't know if he could do that. Now, maybe, look, you know, we we know he had his flaws, so maybe he'd be able to pull that off. Yeah. But I just don't know if he could. Yeah. And, and and Jamie was more honorable in battle than he was. He was. He, his battle, right. the, the, the scene way he where fought, like he could have ended at yeah. ended Ned at the start, but yeah. then like no, no, I'm not going to beat you with a, a a lance sticking out of your thigh. Yeah, and you could see how he talked about Brienne. Everything was technique, and and yeah. he revered how people fought, and you could see the truest sense of who he was was as a fighter. And yeah, he, he wouldn't want to beat Dane by cheating. He yeah. wouldn't want to do that. He he. I don't think it was in him. Would be in him to do. I would I would agree. Whereas Braun, yeah, Braun would do it in a in a hot yeah, second. Whatever, I don't if, care. Yeah, Braun. If you know, if Braun was like, "What is this thing? Oh, it's a, it's a um, what is this thing that was dropped into the future by aliens from an alternate dimension? It's a it's a stun gun." He picked yeah, that thing up sure. in a minute and used that thing, you know? It's like the scene from what? Like Raiders of the Lost Ark? Yeah. Where, you know, <laughs> the sword's just like sweated. Indiana's just like, whatever, and he shoots him. Like, that's yeah. Braun. Like, yeah. That's what he did. Braun is the Indiana Jones of this entire thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That would make total sense. So, yeah, so there we have it. Dane Ta Brienne, John Caldrogo, Sir Selmy and Grey Worm, Braun and Dario. Uh, or excuse me, Bra yeah, Braun and Cersei, and either Great or Braun and Grey Worm, and then Dario and the Mountain. I'm going to spend 40 minutes talking about Dario versus the Mountain. Wow, wow. I just I, I can tell you that right now. <laughs> well, listen, I mean, we're going to be looking forward to this. I know we've had a number of people who've 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 really been enjoying this thus far, and we hope that you have. 
And I and I think down the line we're gonna, you know, we may actually do some quarterback talk around here. Well, we might point. do that at some point, we, but we, I mean, who needs might, that? Yeah, who needs that right now? That's right. Yeah. So, um, I'll just say this: looking at looking at this thing right here, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say that Anthony Richardson is the Dario of the uh, of the of the draft class. That's what I can't I, wait to talk about him. Yeah, I can't wait either. It's gonna be fun. Yeah. So on on that end, of course, you can find Mark Schofield at Mark Schofield on Twitter. You can find him at SB Nation, where he's doing awesome work as always. You know, and if you and if you like Formula One, well, you know, you can do that too. You, you're getting some you fun go. with that. Um, but yeah, we're here for the football at this channel. You know, and a little bit of the Game of Thrones, which we're having fun. And if you you know listen, if you've uh, you like the Anthony Richardson breakdown, I did. If you like the, the Twitter breakdowns I'm doing basically in the middle of the night right now on running backs, um, you know, and you want to see more of that kind of stuff, head over to Matt Waldman's RSP, mattwaldmanrsp.com, um, or Matt Waldman's RSP Film Room on YouTube, and uh, check that stuff out. And if you know that you're like, listen, I need a draft guide. I need one that's not going to do like the, the RSP. The, yeah, do the big media take. It's going to give you some thoughts on players that – you know, you might see a guy like Brock Purdy ranked over, ranked over Desmond Ritter and Malik Willis um, and think that that guy's nuts for doing that. Well, that's usually how I get my customers at first is they think I'm an idiot and then eventually go, I need to buy this guy's work. Um, so, you know, that, you know, that's that's kind of what happens with the RSP. It's in um, its 18th year. Um, yeah, we're we're heading into year 18. And you wow. can get it at Matt Waldman RSP, or excuse me, MattWaldman.com or MattWaldmanRSP.com. You get the pre-draft and post-draft. You get a newsletter from June through December um, and rankings. You, I take you through my entire process. It's transparent. I try to do it in an entertaining way. It's all bookmarked. So the tome that my wife has gotten this idea that because we're approaching year 20, she's asked me to send her all the RSPs and she's actually binding them. She's going to make a wow. books out of them, like with the like the the leather and the the gold leaf kind of stuff, and do all that. I said, you realize that you're basically going to get once you get past 2006, which was only a few hundred pages long, um, or the 2007 one. That once you start getting into about 2000, you know, nine through about 2015, that like you could be charged with like assault with a deadly weapon with the size of some of these. You got books. some heft to them. Yeah. Some you're going to have some tomes here, you know? Yeah. And she's like, yeah, I'm, well, I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to doing this. So if you're, even though some of these are tomes and, you know, last year's was 900 pages, you, st they are bookmarked for ease of use. They do have some evergreen value, at least I, maybe not evergreen, but I'd say, Three to four years, sometimes maybe even five years, some of these hold up pretty well, especially for redrafts where you're looking at free agents or guys that, you know, big media say, I've never even heard of this guy. You know, where did he come from? And suddenly you're, you know, you, you're, and you're thinking about adding these guys to your waiver wire. You're going to get in-depth profiles on these guys that help you not only with your rookie drafts when you pick uh, Chris Olave or or Christian Watson early on 
and say, I'm going to, I'm going to trust this guy and see, see how these guys go. And they turn out to be helpful to you in your fantasy leagues, but also later round picks that you can pick off the waiver wire for your matchups and, and good, good, get good plays out of them that you wouldn't have expected the Isaiah Pacheco's guys like that. So uh, you can get that mattwaldman.com. Thanks again for listening and we will see you next time. Thank <laughs> you.